I cannot even play that good in my dreams. Well, Dr. Owens, I cannot thank you for that introduction. That was, in all honesty, probably the kindest introduction I've, I've ever had and was well worth every penny to 50 I gave you before. <laughs> and I'm very grateful. I, <laughs> yeah, so whoever's next, the price just went up. Um, I'm not supposed to be here today. Uh, Travis Dickinson uh, is supposed to have preached today. However, he uh, sent me an email on Thursday morning and said, um, I have to go to the doctor with abdominal pains. And he emailed me back or texted me at um, about lunchtime and said, uh, I'm on my way to the hospital. I have to have my appendix removed immediately. And uh, he said, well, you tell Dr. Patterson I probably won't be available on Tuesday. So I did, and Dr. Patterson just emailed back and said, how does it feel to be preaching on Tuesday? <laughs> um, uh, Dr. Dickinson emailed or texted me yesterday and said, uh, well, what did Dr. Patterson say? I said, he shot the messenger. <laughs> so it is a, um, in all honesty, it is a privilege to be here with you uh, very much so. And, um, you know, as for my math degree, I, uh, I, I've always loved math, still do. And uh, several years ago, my dad bought me an old uh, calculus textbook from back in the uh, 50s. And every now and then, I'll pull it out, and I'll still work through different uh, differential equations and, and integration problems. And my wife will look at me and say, you are weird. <laughs> and, uh, but weirdness leads me to think of something else. And we live in a weird day. Yesterday was President's Day, or for a lot of people, not my President's Day. Um, there have been, and this makes me express tremendous gratitude to, uh, to our own college students. So those of you who are our college students, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so very much. Because when you hear things or when we have someone come and speak, you don't riot and go downtown to Fort Worth and pick up barricades and throw them through windows. What a strange, strange day. Uh, recently, we have uh, seen the creation of safe zones in schools. And safe zones are places where you can go with your Crayolas and your coloring book and your Play-Doh, and you can, you know, have, be able to escape the, the horrible, mean, hateful, bitter, oppressive people who will just tear you down. You get to ask, who are these people? It's us. It's, we're the ones being referred to. It, it reminds me of the old uh, Buffalo Springfield song, something happened in here. What it is ain't exactly clear. It's time we stop children, look around, look everyone, what's going down. It's a strange, strange day. Well, we live in a day of, of obvious hostility towards us as Christ followers. Uh, this is not the first time this has happened. The Apostle Peter wrote the letter of 1 Peter to a group of churches in scattered about throughout uh, northern uh, Asia Minor, churches that themselves were undergoing difficulty and persecution because of their faith in Christ. And Peter writes them and tells them, you are undergoing difficulty right now. However, his, his letter is basically, let me encourage you to stand firm and let me share with you how you need to live in order to turn the, the opponent's uh, accusations into respect and appreciation. 
It doesn't come immediately, but this is what, uh, what Peter writes to, to these scattered churches. And if you go through there, he explains this kind of behavior includes things like praising God for his great salvation that you see in chapter 1, first uh, 12 verses. Uh, followed with that with uh, uh, relating to God in hope, holiness, and reverence. Being able to relate to our brothers in love. Uh, showing a longing for spiritual growth. Living in unity with fellow believers. Uh, uh, submission to the state. Proper submission within the household. Proper marital relationships. The, uh, the instructions on how to handle the, the suffering that you face as a believer in Christ and how the church, how the leaders of the elders of the church are to conduct themselves and how the church is to, uh, to do the same in the midst of this. All of this are things that they are to do to respond in, to a very hostile culture or in the midst of a very hostile culture. Well, I want to pick up on one of those areas, and that is in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, um, in, in verses 13 through 17, I'm sorry, verses 13 through 21, he deals with the issue of relating to God in hope, holiness, and reverence. But I want to focus down a little bit more narrow and look at just the middle one of those, holiness. Relating to God in holiness. Living in a hostile culture, one of the things we will have to do is practice personal holiness. Now, I want you to hear what he says, and then we're going to... Uh, 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 go back to the Old Testament and look at some things for clarification. He says in verse 14, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. Because it's written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. We also live in a day and a time when holiness has fallen on hard times. We don't want to be holier than thou. Which as a Sunday school teacher I had many years ago when I was in college, uh, now pastoring a church in, in uh, Panhandle of Florida, said, usually when someone calls you a fanatic or says you're holier than thou, it's their admission that you love Jesus more than they do. So we don't want to have this attitude, and it's, so many people look at it as, well, that's just legalism. A, a complete misunderstanding. You know, as a Christian, I have, I have the right to do this. Listen, you need to understand as a Christian, you don't have any rights at all. You are not Lord. Jesus is. So the idea that I've got the right to, you just drop it. You don't. You, are, you have been adopted into a family, born again into a family. And he is Father, and Jesus is Lord. Now, um, in order to understand what Peter's talking about, what he does is he quotes some passages from Leviticus. You shall be holy, for I am holy. So I want to go back to Leviticus um, and take a look at the passages that he would be drawing from. And, but let's, and that's going to be in chapter 11, chapter 19, and chapter 20. And, uh, but let me start, because several of the uh, uh, scholars I looked at said, in order to understand holiness... You need, to, you need to understand and make a distinction. He, they, they all took me back to uh, Leviticus chapter 10, verses 8 through 11. So if, if you would turn there with me and um, hear what God says. The Lord spoke to Aaron saying, Do not drink wine or strong drink, neither you nor your sons with you, when you come into the tent of meeting, so that you will not die. 
It's a perpetual statute throughout your generations. And so as to make a distinction between the holy and the profane, between the clean and the unclean. And so as to teach the sons of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them through Moses. So we are to, uh, he says, you're to make a distinction between the holy and the profane. Now in order to understand holiness, let's look at the second word, the word profane. The Hebrew word there is kol. And uh, what does the word profane mean? Well, basically it means clean. It refers, or I'm sorry, it means common. It refers to the things, the, the normal state of the affairs in the world. The way people normally are, the way things normally are in the world. In other words, things that are not, have not been dedicated for sacred use. They're common. It also has a secondary meaning. And the secondary meaning is polluted. Uh, can refer to things that are degraded, uh, things that are disregarded, things that have been violated. Interestingly enough, if you go, and this is a, uh, and most of my students know this because I do this all the time, if you will go to one of your best sources, because we're using the English word profane, be helpful to just know what does the English word mean? And it means pretty much the same thing as the Hebrew word here means, but go to the shorter Oxford English Dictionary and you come up with, with these descriptions. As an adjective, profane means literally, the etymology of the word means outside the temple. It refers to those things that, are not, that don't pertain to uh, what is used for sacred use inside the worship uh, of, the, of the church or a temple. Uh, therefore, what is common. But it also has another meaning as well. It can refer to that which is ritually unclean or polluted. Uh, can be characterized, something characterized by being disregarded or contempt for sacred things. If you look at the verb form of it, to profane means to treat with irreverence, to treat with contempt, or to disregard or to violate, uh, to, to abuse what should be reverenced and respected. So you've got two ideas of profane coming out of this. That which is common, not dedicated for sacred use, and that which is polluted or corrupted. He says you're to make a distinction between the sacred or the holy and the profane. So how would we describe holy? Well, let's negate those two things. If profane means common, holy means not common. It means above and beyond what is common. It means something that has been dedicated for God's use, for God's purposes, so it has been set apart and separated out. And it is used exclusively uh, in God's service. Second, it's going to mean unpolluted, uncorrupted, and thus pure. Now, as we're going to look at several of these passages, they're going to refer to the fact that we're to be holy because God is holy. So what is God's holiness? Well, God, God's holiness means that God himself is separated from the common. God is unlike the created order. We, as part of the created order, are finite. He's infinite. We are contingent and dependent. He is necessary and independent. We are flawed. He is not flawed. He is perfect. 
he is unchanging. We change. His eyesight doesn't grow dim. His earring doesn't fade. His knees don't creak when he stands up. Uh, his back doesn't ever hurt. Uh, none of that stuff. God is unchanging because he's perfect. There's nothing to change into. He's absolute perfection. So he is set apart from, nor from what is normal in this world. Second, he is absolutely pure. He is untainted by evil. He's not polluted. There is nothing corrupted in him. There is no flaw. So uh, the two ideas we get, to be separated and, pu and moral pu and purity, or moral purity. Now, the passage is in, in Leviticus. In chapter 11, he goes through a long list of, of dietary regulations and what they are to basically eat. And he will go through and explain that what they are to eat, uh, they're allowed to eat uh, you know, land animals with, uh, that divide the hoof and that chew the cud. Uh, interestingly enough, the land animals that they're allowed to eat are, this, are by and large the same land animals that are offered in sacrifice. Interestingly enough, I hadn't thought about this before, but the, the animals that they are to eat in their diet are those things that are also offered in sacrifice to God. So they're to be like God in what they consume. Uh, now, there's no uh, sacrifices involving uh, water animals, but he, he expands that, and they're, to, they're allowed to eat uh, water animals that have, fish and, uh, has, have fins and scales. Birds, no birds of prey. Um, insects, just the ones that hop. Um, be a challenging day, but you never know when you're that hungry. Um, you come down into verse 44 and verse 44, and again, these are, diet, th these are what they're allowed to eat. And it comes down into verse 44, and it says this. This is the explanation for it. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy, for I am holy. You should not make yourselves unclean with any of the swarming things that swarm on the earth, for I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God, and thus you should be holy, for I am holy. What they are to eat, even their food regulations, were based on the fact that God has established what is clean, and so this is in distinction from the worlds, the cultures and societies around them, and what they are to eat is distinct, and it also is to maintain a, a purity in their diet. In chapter 19, in verse 2, Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And this is right in the middle of the holiness code in Leviticus, from chapter 17 to verse 26 of the holiness code. And chapter 19 really describes a, 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 an ethic that is a, really a superior ethic to all the other nations around. And when you go through and look, and after verse 2, 14 times you will see this phrase repeated, I am the Lord your God. Hearkening back to, you shall be holy, for I am the Lord your God. I, Lord your God, am holy. And so you, you'll see this throughout this chapter, 14 times repeated, I am the Lord. So they are to be, what they are doing is to be living in holiness. Why? Because God is holy, and as his people, we're to be like God. So, and when you read through this, and it touches on all the things that are listed here, listen to the, the things that... Holiness means doing. Holiness means honoring your parents, avoiding idols, offering sacrifices in a prescribed way, uh, not 
gleaning the edges of your field in order to be generous to the poor and the stranger, to not deal falsely with people, to not oppress people, to provide justice and not show partiality. It is a holy person is one who refuses to slander. There is no murder, there's no hatred, vengeance, or grudges, but instead love for the neighbor. There is no mixing of, of, of uh, breeds of, of livestock or seeds. Um, even trees are set apart, even the fruit trees they plant are to be set apart and offered to God, uh, dedicated to Him. They're not to eat blood, they're not to imitate the pagans, they're not to prostitute their daughters, they're not to seek after mediums, they are to honor the elderly. Oh, that's good. Um, they're to do right by the stranger uh, and the alien, and they are to use, in their businesses, they're to use just weights and balances. What you have in here is, you're to be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy, and you're to do these things because I'm the Lord your God. And what do these things deal with? They deal with basically showing justice, showing fairness, showing care, showing compassion and mercy, all the things that you have to do in your day in and day out life. So holiness is not concerned with a certain area but with every area. You can look at, I'll leave you to look at um, uh, chapter 20. Um, but let's go back to 1 Peter. But in chapter 20, he will also deal with some other issues, uh, in, including sexual issues and sexual practices. Uh, and in all of this, in all of their practices, their behavior is is to, to be understood from the vantage point of they've been separated for God, to God for his use as his people, his use exclusively, and so their behavior is dedicated to God and it is to be pure. Back to 1 Peter. With that understanding, so the idea of, of set apart for God and purity. As obedient children, literally the Greek text says, as children of obedience... A, a Semitic expression that uh, doesn't necessarily describe the children as what it is they're doing, but what it is that characterizes them. We are children of obedience. The obedience is to characterize us. It, it should be the way we live. So that kind of sounds like you're splitting hairs a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But the focus is not so much on doing as being. This is who we are. We are children of obedience. We have been born again into the family of God. He mentions this in, in verse 3. We have, and being brought into that family of God, we are made part of this family, a family of, of love and of warmth and of care. We have, consequently, we are dependent children. So we don't set the rules. There are house rules. I grew up with house rules. And I can remember one that I didn't want to obey. My dad had decided... We're going to show proper appreciation for the members of the family. So you're not getting up from the dinner table until you say, thank you for the meal. May I please be excused? Well, I thought that's, you know, I'm seven years old. I mean, it's silly. Um, I mean, parents do what parents are supposed to do. You're supposed to feed me. <laughs> so my sister said, thank you for the meal. May I be excused? She said, I, and I started getting up. Dad said, nope, sit. He said, you're not getting up from the table till you tell your mother, thank you for the meal and ask to be excused. Oh yeah, we'll see who's the most stubborn. <laughs> by this time, you see, I got up from the table by now, so uh, I, I didn't win that one. 
dad brought me the newspaper and said, here you go. Here, I'll give you something to do while you're, while you're sitting here. It was about an hour later that my backside was getting just a little bit sore from sitting in that hard chair. And I finally said, thank you for the meal. My be, please be excused. And dad said, yeah. Those were, you live in the house. He sets the rules. And the rule of the house is you are going to express appreciation and gratitude. Now, my mother had the same rule. You're going to express appreciation and gratitude for one another. And so that's, that is the house rules. I lived with that, grew up with that. Um, you got to be careful because you, as a parent, what you teach your children, they will grow up with and they will imitate. And this is kind of the point. But um, it can happen on the negative way also. I, will, I still remember the call that my wife made to me. Oh, it must have been about 1998 or 99. And she said, I want you to know your daughter pays attention to you. <laughs> and the way she said it, I know this is not good. I said, <laughs> what happened? She said, we're driving in the car and someone cuts in front of me. And all of a sudden your daughter shouts out, moron. All I could say was, look, I'm just trying to teach her biblical Greek words. Uh, <laughs> comes from the Greek moros. Um, so it's biblical. Um, so you, get, you, know, you gotta be careful with, uh, with what you do. But in all of this, the idea is we are children of obedience. Now, he says two things to us. Um, if we're going to live holy, he's gonna tell us a positive and a negative. Here's the negative first. Do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. Issue number one, if I'm going to be holy, he's going to tell me what I do not do. I do not allow myself to adapt to the desires of the society around me. The society around me is a society that is set up in opposition to God. And so I'm not to allow myself to be adapted or, and I'm not to adopt those viewpoints. Furthermore, those viewpoints, he said, those were the things that you did, the desires you had formerly in your, uh, in your ignorance. These are the things that I did before. I've been called out of this lifestyle. I've been called out of this way of living. Now, if that is the case, I have been set apart. I've been called away from this. And so there has got to be a cleaning up process, I have been sanctified, and so my behavior has got to be, uh, here's, and the, here's the positive coming. It's not to be conformed to my society around me, but like the Holy One who called you. He is the Holy, the one who's called me, the one who's called you is the Holy One. He now is my standard. It is God himself to whom I conform, not the society around me. I am to assimilate the characteristics of God himself. The, as I am transformed, this is what is being produced in me. Um, and he really leaves it without any there is no area that's, that's off limits here. 
Be holy yourselves in all your conduct. There's no area that's outside of this and all of my conduct. Think, if I, as I think through my conduct throughout the course of my day, and I look back and see what he said in Leviticus, as I deal with people, I've got to be holy. That means I've got to be generous. I've got to be caring. I've got to be fair. I've got to be right as I deal with people. These people include the first person I see when I get up every day, my wife. The second person I see, my daughter. A person who's going to call me every day, my son. He calls every day because he can't not talk. And so when he's driving home from work, he'll call. What are you doing? Same thing we do every day at this day. We eat. Uh, but always delighted to talk with him. I deal with my faculty, see them every day, love working with them. They're grateful that I contacted Dr. Patterson about Travis being gone and not them. Um, I see students every day and delighted to do so. I love what I do. I love the people I do it with. I love the students I deal with. And so I am to be holy in the way I conduct myself in these relationships. Why? Because God is holy. And I'm to imitate his character. Now, it can sound like, but holiness is a burden. Holiness is hard. Listen, holiness is happy. You want to be happy? You be holy. Paul tells us in Ephesians that we're to let no, unhealth, no uh, filthy communication come out of our mouth, but only what edifies according to the needs so that it may give grace to the hearer. All right? Take this as a challenge. I'm going to be holy in my speech today. In my speech today, I'm only going to say, first of all, I'm going to cut out anything that would be considered profanity. That's profane. It doesn't need to be spoken. Now, we've got this, some have got this idea now that the best way to reach people is to use profanity when they preach. I don't get it. I don't see it at all. Uh, and uh, clearly, that's, that's not the case. I've never, known, I've never known anybody who said to me, you know what he would help me come to faith in Christ is when I heard you cuss like a sailor. I've never heard that. Anyway, but it goes beyond that. I'm going to not bellyache today. I'm not going to complain. And when I speak with people, I'm going to, to figure out what is going to build them up and encourage them. What is going to give grace to them? You do that, I would say we could try this for a week, but let's do it for a day. You do that for a day, I will guarantee you at the end of the day, you will be a whole lot happier than you ever anticipated. I was a singles pastor for 17 years. And I had to deal with a lot of issues as a single adult pastor. Those of you who are single, you are single under the Lord. Your singleness is devoted to the Lord. Understand that you are, that your status there is, you have been set apart as single under the Lord for his use and his purpose. God can do things with you as a single adult that he cannot do with me as a married adult. And in your being single, don't pollute it 
Don't bring pollution into it. Many of you are not going to stay single. But while you are, understand you have been set apart for God for it. Don't bring pollution into it. And what you will find is, as a single adult, when everybody around you says, you got to get married, you got to get married, you got to get married. Then you get married and everybody says, you got you, you to be free, you got to be free, you got to be free. Um, you will be profoundly happy. Because you don't, <laughs> you'll be a whole lot happier than being married to the moros um, that, that you can settle for. If you are married, your marriage has been set apart for God. Gentlemen, you treat your wives as set apart unto, unto the Lord and with purity. Don't bring any defilement into the marriage. Delight yourself in your wife. Ladies, delight yourself in your husband. Don't bring defilement into this. You can go on and you can look at every aspect. You are students. Many of you are students. You are students. Your work is dedicated unto the Lord. Don't bring defilement into it. It's set apart. It's pure. The rest of us in here are teachers. Our teaching is to be set apart to the Lord. And it is to be done with a pure heart, with a pure mind, in an upright character. And to do so is to be holy. If you truly want to be happy in a culture that is very hostile, one of the things you will need to do is practice personal holiness. Understand you have been set apart for God and you were to conform to his character. Do that, trust me, the happiest man who ever walked this planet was the Lord Jesus Christ. There was no one more happy than him. Pray with me. Father, I thank you that you have given us clear direction and guidance to go through this world. Not to drudge our way through but to enjoy life, enjoy life fully. I thank you that you have called us to conform to your character so that as we do, we will enjoy and delight in you and enjoy the enormous blessings that come with reflecting your character and being transformed inwardly to be like you. So thank you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.